Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, a podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated, former lovers that explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It Just Makes Sense. I'm Sam Smith. And I'm Jeff Seifert. And this week, in honor of Pride Month, we're covering the Toronto Gay Village <laughs> Serial Killer. A serial killer in honor of Pride Month. <laughs> he killed gay guys. Yeah, it's totally relevant. Guys, we are in a state-of-the-art studio right now. I wish you could see the setup. <laughs> in my state-of-the-art, I have two monitors, and we're at the dining room table. It is fancy. We've got some feedback from our valuable customers, and I want everyone to know we take it seriously. And I We've just tried to upgrade like a little pay, bit. Like you pay. I know, no. Patrons. Patrons. So, I mean, soon we're just going to be on Patreon only, so we wanted to upgrade a little bit before you guys start paying. <laughs> Behind the paywall. (laughs) We're going to have such exclusive content. (laughs) Now, Samantha, what have you done to celebrate Pride Month? So, I went to Hamburg, New York's first Pride Festival. Where? In, like, my small town. Not small town, but, like, the town that I grew up in. Oh. Yeah, it was cute. They had, like, chorus there singing, like, True Colors. And they had, like, state congressmen. (gasps) see your true colors. She's not even gay. No, Why but let me tell that? you. Oh, like rainbow? Yeah, mm. but let me tell you. I brought Abe with me and his, my dog, in his <gasps> rainbow love is love outfit. Tell me. So people were like taking our photos, and I kept telling my mom, if I don't end up in the newspaper as local lesbian mm. at Pride, because I was by myself. Oh, so you're just trying to appropriate gay culture for your own benefit? I'm just trying to fit into a community that always accepted me, okay? That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do for Pride? Not that I care. Oh, yeah, she really, really accepts us and loves us all equally. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to brunch. We went to a gay brunch. The servers were dressed very eclectically. It was very nice. There were some hotties and harnesses. Um, I watched a little gay porn, you know, because I don't do that regularly or anything. And, you know, I had a couple pride celebrations of my own at home. No masks needed. <laughs> mask for mask, femme for femme. <laughs> Let me tell you all, the reason why I said I don't care is because when Jeffrey told me he was going to a gay this pride brunch and he didn't invite me, he said it wasn't his to invite. <laughs> and I said, first of all, the only reason why you can even celebrate pride in your life is because of me. She made me gay. This whole month, honestly, should be... M- celebrating me and my She's life. literally the last woman I had sex with. And? And now what? <laughs> I'm, I'm not at the brunch? <laughs> How in dare you? What she fails to tell you is that she already made brunch plans without me. She knows how much I love brunch and she didn't invite me. That's neither, neither here nor there. Bitch. Neither here nor there. Anyways, let's get into the case because I'm going to choke you out and it's <laughs> we're not going to have a podcast because no one thinks I'm as interesting as you are. <gasps> Thank you. See how nice I am? (laughs) Okay. So a lot of this comes from the, I think it's the Oxygen series. Something about serial killers. Um, Every every show they have. So cool. Pretty much. (laughs) Um, Another podcast. I recently discovered it. It's called Red Handed. They're these two delightful British ladies. They're really funny. It's not quite as good as ours, but they are funny. <laughs> and CBC's CBC Radio's Uncover the Village. That one's very good, and it goes like past. And as we how go, how many episodes is it? Well, so the first three are about this um, section, Specific case. yeah. Okay. 
because they they ultimately think that there are some unsolved murders from the 70s, that 80s, and 90s him? that could be tied back to the wow. same killer. And they're trying to figure that out. Gotcha. So it's pretty interesting. So picture it. Toronto, Church and Wellesley Streets, the heart of the gay village. Have you ever been? No. Why not? I thought you were so supportive. I've been to Toronto once in my life. For my sister's bachelorette? Oh, I've been to Toronto twice. <laughs> I went once for the Toronto Science Museum when I was like 11. Oh, Ontario and Science Center. What a good for, time. It was so, it's so cool. cool. And then once for your sister's bachelorette. She was a trampy whore. It was great. <laughs> she looked great. It was a great time. But other than that, I just never really go into Toronto much. All right, fine. It's kind of far. It's two hours. It's not that far. <laughs> It's 2010, and gay men of color are going missing in the neighborhood. It wasn't feared to be a serial killer at first, or that these disappearances were linked at all. After all, Canadians are stereotypically nice. And in 2010, there were only 554 police-reported homicides that year. None related to a moose. Sorry. (laughs) So stereotypical and bad. I know. I just couldn't. I like to surprise her. It gets a good laugh. I'm sorry. Good one. <laughs> In all seriousness, back to September 6, 2010. Skandarash Navatnam, or Skanda to his friends, was last seen leaving Zippers, a popular gay bar. <laughs> In the village with an unknown man. That's such a good name Zippers. for a gay bar. I know. Zippers? Mm-hmm. I love it. Only thing it, I thought could be better is like open zippers. No, I just no, like zippers. No, zippers. All right, fair. Mm. I don't know if we went in that one when we were there. I mean, I've been there a few times. Honestly, it's a blur. I don't remember. Anyways, so he was a well-liked, semi-closeted man from Sri Lanka. He was out to his brothers, but not to his mother, and I could find no mention of his father. One of Skanda's friends noticed that he hadn't heard or seen from him in a few days. He went to his apartment to check on him. Okay, now sidebar. I thought this was interesting because I don't have anyone in my life besides my roommate, or maybe a co-worker, that would come to my house to check on me. No. Like, like, you definitely wouldn't. If you didn't... No, unless, 100% like, I wouldn't. Unless we were supposed to re- record, you might call me a couple times, yeah. but, but eventually would you would give up. I would be like, whatever. He yeah. must have forgot. Yeah. I feel like the only thing I She would, would send do, me a nasty text message and be like, bitch, you forgot about me. Yeah. Or I would just, like, wait till someone was like, hey, I haven't heard from Jeff in five days. Can you check in his apartment? Then I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I don't think I would think to check on you. I wouldn't think you went missing. No. And, like, Cameron might wonder after a few days where I was. But I don't think he would notice that much either. Yeah. It's very interesting. (laughs) Like, I haven't seen him since Sunday. But I guess maybe in 2010, it was a little bit of a different time. Like, people weren't as connected all the time. And that, like, smartphones weren't really out at that point Like, they were, but it wasn't like you could see people's locations. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. like I don't even know if they were. I thought iPhones came out in 2012. Oh. I I didn't have an iPhone until 2012. Yeah, I don't know. Good point. So. But anyways, so his friend hadn't heard from him. So he went to his house to check on him. And uh, he goes to the apartment. And sadly, the apartment door, I don't know if he had a key because they didn't say how he got in. But anyways, he goes in and his new puppy is there all alone, his wallet and his keys. I'm so, surprised the puppy was still alive. It was uh, a couple days. Well, I mean, if he had food. Like, yeah, I was just thinking food, if he didn't yeah. have food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably Pissed all over the place Our with poor guy. So, so we reported him missing. Then four months later, on December 29th, Abdul Zahir Faizi went missing. He was a factory worker who lived in Mississauga, a suburb of Toronto. 
One night after work, he told his wife, that's right, he had a wife. He was going to meet a friend after work, and a friend it was. He went to the gay village to go to Steamworks, a popular gay bathhouse where gay men go to hook up. I want to go. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, you're not a gay man, and you don't have a penis. I know, but like, I want to go to a bathhouse, but if I want to go to a bathhouse and be naked in the waters, I want it to be with gay men. <laughs> And not, not straight men, men that are or stare at me women. Or like catty women. Yeah. You know? I mean, there'll probably be some catty gays, obviously. Well, yeah, true. But also, but worth they're it. not looking at me like whatever. No. I want to go. Also, I feel like this is probably not like a true stat, but I feel like anecdotally, it seems like people of color are more likely to have live like a down low life than. Yeah, because I mean, it adds that extra layer of like yeah. stigma. That's what I mean. Know? I feel like they're more likely to have a wife and kids comparative to non-people of color. I mean, this is based on no statistical analysis. That's what I mean. Whatsoever. Yeah, it just seems like stereotypically that's yeah. what we kind of think. From my own personal experience, too. <laughs> <laughs> so on October twelfth, October eighteenth, two thousand twelve, a year and a half later, Majid Khan went missing. Majid was known to his close friends as Hamid. He came to Toronto from Afghanistan. He was similar to Faizi, another closeted man living a double life with kids in one and a gay village in the other. Mm. He was reported by his son last seen in his apartment. All of these three men lived within a three block radius of each other. But at the time, no one in law enforcement was really connecting the dots. That's kind of wild to me that they lived so close to each other and they didn't think they were connected. I know. I, it, it really is to me, too. Like, if three people from the same street, even if it was 18 months apart and no one thought anything right. of it, no one in law enforcement, it's just... And they were, and they kind of were from the same type of background, like yeah. someone of color... Who was gay? I mean, at its at its basics, there are three brown men right. that lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And no one seemed to think that there was any issue there. Well, not no one. No one in right. law enforcement. Yeah. Or no one cared. I, yeah. It's crazy. So, in contrast to the police force, or whatever, I don't know what word I was looking for, the LGBTQI community was connecting the dots. Three brown men newly immigrated to Canada from countries where they couldn't be openly homosexual, go missing within a three-block radius, was starting to set off alarm bells. Missing posters were hung in shops, in convenience stores. People were on the lookout. Several journalists and activists even started to speculate publicly that because these men were brown and not white, the authorities didn't care or seemed to think it was a big problem. These men were often thought to have maybe just got back to their home countries, which couldn't be farther from the truth. Also, though, if two of the men were married with children and they weren't out to their wives, what did these posters say? And what were these activists saying? Like, at this point, did their family know then that they were gay? Oh, yeah. They, like, they didn't really touch on that yeah. anything that I read or saw. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, okay, the LGBTQIA community is going nuts, but, like, what about their wives? Yeah. Huh. What a shock to just, like, Be see like, your husband on a fire and it's, like, missing gay man. Welcome home. I'm gone. Yikes. Yeah, I don't know. Good point. Always with the hard-hitting question. Right. Thank you. I am a journalist at best. (laughs) Amateur sleuth at worst. Later in 2012, the Toronto Police Force received a tip from Interpol, the International Policing Agency. 
the tip received was in Switzerland, that there was a cannibal working in the greater Toronto area. The source said that a man confessed online to enjoying eating brown flesh. Sick. Initially, Again, do we think it's weird to eat human meat because that's what our cult like that's what we're culturally told to think? Yeah, it's fucking weird. I think it's weird, but I also think like gorillas and wolves and whales eat each other and they don't think it's weird. I know. Why do we think it's weird to eat other humans? I'm... Not that I want to. Okay, can I talk? <laughs> I know that it's Pride Month and it's we're supposed to be accepting of people coming out, but are you coming out as a cannibal? And if you are, this podcast is over. No, I just think like sometimes we gasp so much at the idea of eating another human, but it's like it's because we were trained to think that. I would eat you in a heartbeat if we were on a stranded island and you that were all I would kill you. No, I wouldn't. I'd be I, bored. Yeah, I don't think I would. I could never eat. Because it's weird to think yeah. about, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know why we think it's weird. Because we don't do it. It seems yeah. co- anything that's not in your culture is weird. Yeah. You seem weird. Anyways, that's just my thoughts on cannibalism. Anyway, back to the cannibal. The source said that a man confessed online to eating brown flesh. Yeah, I said that already. Additionally, the source also had helped Interpol with a cannibal investigation in Europe. So he seemed legit. This guy is like the Chris Hansen of cannibal catchers. Come on That's in. That's like his job. How did Have he get, a seat. How did that start? Have some brains. <laughs> Were you here? Were you here to eat the brains? Do you think he was consulted in the movie Hannibal Lecter? Yeah. I definitely think that. Really? No. Mm-hmm. It was, oh. It was a, wasn't it a buck first? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Not well right. Anyways. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so after receiving the tip, the police started to connect the dots Finally, that these three missing men had similar backstories, demographics, and really started to wonder. Were these men killed? Were they possibly eaten? In December of 2012, a task force was created named Project Houston. This was an investigation into the disappearances and potential murder and cannibalization of the three men in the Toronto Gay Village. What was that, Sam? Did I hear you ask why a Canadian <laughs> investigation would be called Project Houston? Yeah, is I, that what you said? I don't get it, and I don't like it. Houston, we have a problem. So good, right? No, I don't like it at all. <laughs> I wanted it to be associated with Pride. Maybe it could have been Project Roy G. Biv. Project Roy. <laughs> Project Rainbow Bright. I feel like Houston's so dumb. Or why didn't they use like something related to Canada? Project Maple Leaf. <laughs> Why Houston? Because they have a problem. I get it, but still, that was stupid. They have a problem with someone killing brown men and eating them, they thought at first. It should have for sure been tied back to the gay community. Anywho, now, Interpol's source had infiltrated this cannibalism ring based out of Toronto. I can't believe there's a ring. Yeah, like a group, like, like how do you find these That's people? what I mean. Like, I don't know. That's crazy. So the source believed that a, a user was talking about the murder and cannibalization of the first missing man, Scanda. The source led detectives to a username named John Jacobs. Okay. This was tra- traced back to a Canadian man named Alex Brunton. Okay. A lot of names there. Yeah. He was yet another married man, shocker, who spent time in the gay village. I mean, it really seems like there's a lot of straights hanging out there. Yeah. Straights in quotation marks. So, was it him? Well, after an extensive investigation into Brunton, it turned out he hadn't murdered anyone or even eaten anyone. He's just a psycho who said it online. He created and distributed child porn. Ew. Sick. So he, this guy's all sorts of stuff. That's what I mean. And he's talking about how eating, the cannibal online. Yeah. It's like the cannibal cop. 
<laughs> so the police realized they really needed to dig deeper. So a common thread popped up between two of the missing men. It was an email address, silverfox51 at hotmail.com. Oh, I like that. <laughs> the email appeared in the phone of Skanda and was found written on a pad in the home belonging to Abdul Zier. The two men were linked to a man named Bruce MacArthur. Okay. He was known in the gay village. He was brought in as a witness in relation to the missing persons case in 2013. He was a middle-aged man recently out with a landscape business. He was a grandpa and often worked as a mall Santa. He was thought of as a helpful man who was honest and genuine. However, the police overlooked something that was in his sealed record, a two-year conditional sentence for assaulting a male prostitute. How do they, like, miss that? So apparently, it uh, apparently it was expunged. Like, you know, uh, like after a certain amount of time, things will drop off your record. I'm not an expert in Canadian law, but yeah. like they were saying how it had dropped off. Like if they really wanted to find it, they could have. Yeah. But it, because it had gone right. through a certain amount of time, it it's dropped like, his record. If you get like a DUI, it's only on for 20. They can only look back 25 right. years. But right. it could be on your record. Like if you do a background that. check. Yeah. Okay, but you would okay, think okay. because it's like law enforcement, they'd they be would... able to see it. Right. Yeah. So, a few more links between the men and Bruce MacArthur started to surface. It was discovered that both Skanda and Majid Khan had both worked for MacArthur. Skanda also had a sexual relationship and was dating MacArthur. Guess, for how long? At that time that he went missing? Yeah. These men were clearly into daddies. <laughs> now, I was not expecting you to say that. <laughs> Clearly not my. They, I mean, it's not my cup of tea. But hey, to each their own. Yeah, because it looked like Santa, right? Yeah, like Ew. a little chubby, white beard, balding. Was he rich? He was a landscaper, so no, oh. I don't think so. I mean, some, some people, people if they have a company, man, yeah, maybe big books. Who knows? Interesting. So he didn't have a hot bod if he's a landscaper, but he's probably not the one doing. No, that. he's just yeah. the the one in charge. Right. So now, even with a third disappearance, the trail continued to run cold. They couldn't. They weren't linking them to MacArthur as as an abductor. Uh, there was nothing. The men were missing, but there was no evidence of foul play. Uh, in April 2014, after 18 months into the investigation, Project Houston was disbanded without any charges being filed or the men being found. Wow, sucks. That's wild. So let's fast forward a couple of years here to the end of 2015 and beginning of 2016. Three more disappearances occur in the village. Three more men, Sarush Mahmoodi, Krishna Kumar, and Dean Lisowick, all go missing. Sarush Mahmoodi was a married man with a couple children, similar to the other ones. One night in August 2015, he went to bed, and when everyone got up in the morning, he was gone. They all assumed that he went to work. And how many years after the other three was this? Uh, so it was like, a, when he went missing, it was like a year and a half oh, okay, after so that. Okay, okay. Um... So, Mahmoodi was another closeted man, but had no significant ties to the community like the others. Like, he lived outside of Canada, outside of Toronto, so it wasn't like, he wasn't, like, well-known like the others. And, uh, sadly, he wasn't tied to the other missing men until they discovered his DNA case, his DNA Uh, in in a van at the end. Okay. So, he wasn't linked to this case until after. So, nobody really, um was searching for him like the other ones. Right. So Krishna Krishna 
Kanagaratnam was a Tamil man similar to one of the others from Sri Lanka who came to Canada on a cargo ship in 2010. He was a stowaway on a car- cargo ship. Really? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. He was denied refugee status and was living in Canada illegally. Okay. Now, why is this important? Because when he went missing, people just assumed like he went off the grid, tried to go uh, underground. So right, no one right, really right. Went, like, like looked hard for him. Yeah. yeah. He was hiding. That's I what, thought you were going to say why that's important to know because Bruce was paying him under the table so he uh, have papers as a landscaper. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dean Lissowick is the first one that doesn't fit the profile. He was the homeless, sporadic sex worker, but he was white. Okay. I was going to say that kind of fits the profile, homeless. homeless like, but, yeah, I mean, he was a vault. Like, but they, white, yeah. The way that they were talking about him in the in the documentary was that he was a like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Not vagabond, uh, transient. He was oh, transient, okay. so, so he didn't have he didn't a home. Really have a family, right? Home. Yeah. Right. Okay. So he lived in the Church in Wellesley area, the gay village, and um, but he did have a. Uh, they did reference that he had a daughter that he was trying to get custody of. They didn't go too much into him, which I thought was strange too. But so he was the third man that went that that disappeared. So now we're up to six. So you're up to six. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the disappearances are continuing to pile up. But because all these men had secretive lifestyles, were brown, or part of vulnerable populations, sadly, it wasn't being taken seriously. They really didn't think it was a serial killer. The police didn't think it was a serial killer. The people did, but they really didn't go very far. So now moving forward, in 2017, a man named Celine Essen went missing. He was a couch surfer with a per- without a permanent address. He kept all his belongings with him in a suitcase. He and the suitcase went missing and were later reported by his partner. You know, he was homeless, transient, closeted homeless man, and he has a boyfriend. Um, I guess I know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Spending too much time with my hacks. Late in 2017, the eighth and final victim in the midst of gay pride <gasps> went missing. Oh my God. Andrew Kinsman was a man that was well-connected in the gay community. And this is why people think thought he started the, it began to unravel for MacArthur. Because this guy was completely out of character to the rest of them. He worked for the HIV AIDS Network of Toronto and was the superintendent of his building. Oh, wow. After he had been missing for two days, people started to... Uh, I'm surprised it took two days for I know. someone that high profile. I know. Like, he's not showing up to work or he's not... Like the like the superintendent of the yeah, building, that's what I mean. like, like things that he was supposed to be doing, obviously yeah, weren't getting right. done. Um, but immediately, public outcry and searches began. Pressure was mounting on the police, and they could no longer continue to ignore the problem. Was he was he a person of color? Sorry, no, he was white. Okay, mm-hmm. he, and now the bell started ringing. Yeah, he was a white man. Surprise, he was. He was, I think he was 50. Okay. So he wasn't old, but he wasn't young. Um, but he, w- I will say he was, he was somewhat attractive. He was yeah. a good looking, right. gay, white, male, yeah. well-connected in yeah. the community. Like, it's not surprising that steam picked up after right. he went missing. So as a result, Project Houston was relaunched and renamed Project Prism. Why? Because no it makes idea. a rainbow when it goes through sunlight. Uh, I don't think that's why. I like that name a lot. Uh, <laughs> you don't think so? I have no idea. When hell lives through the sun, it makes a rainbow. Maybe. What, do you never see the movie Pollyanna? No. Wow. Who has? <laughs> so the police did a search of Kinsman's apartment, and they found a handwritten calendar, and on the date of June 26th, 
An appointment was marked with the name Bruce. Yet another connection was surfacing. In surveillance footage acquired from Kinsman's building, he was believed to be seen getting into a red van. But it was too far away to clearly see who was driving the van, the license plate, or even clear enough as evidence to know that it was Kinsman. Just the shape of his body, his build, and that he had a beard. I mean, I feel like that's enough. I know, but I mean, it, they show the in the documentary oh, they like show it, it, and it's pretty far. It's like yeah. up the block. It's not a great angle. Oh, okay. Um, so they could only determine that it was a red Dodge Caravan. So the police retrieved the list of registered dot red Dodge Caravans in the province of Ontario. Uh, from that list, only five of them were registered to men named Bruce. Oh, that seems to be down. pretty. Yeah, pretty I mean lo- that lucky. name isn't very popular Common anymore. Yeah. yeah. Anytime I hear Bruce, I just think Bruce Bogtrotter. Oh, I always think of um, You can do it, Brucey! I always think of Bruce Almighty, the movie. Oh, yeah. Or I'm surprised neither one of us said Bruce Jenner's. Oh. (laughs) Bruce Matt? Buffalo Bill? I immediately think Bruce Bogtrotter. (laughs) I still don't know who that is. He's this chubby little kid in Matilda that had to eat all the chocolate cake. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I get it. So... They were easily able to narrow it down to Bruce MacArthur because he was the only one of the five that had any interaction with the police. And this isn't the story about the hooker. There was another interaction with the police. A man only identified as John Doe in the show, but as I later discovered, the sleuth that I've learned from you, (laughs) his name is Isaac. Okay. Isaac was dating Bruce. And by dating, it seemed that they, that they would meet up for discreet, casual sex. Mm. Okay? So, in gay man's world, they were pretty much married. <laughs> okay, that seems like a low blow. But yes, she's right. <laughs> so, Isaac was interviewed on the documentary, and he said that Bruce was insistent on having sex in the back of his van. He always wanted to have sex in the back of a van in a parking lot. Like, isn't that, that like, I don't know if it's someone like I could see if you were like really dating someone and they were like, oh, we, I, I have a thing for car sex. But if it's someone that you're casually seeing, like that would scream warning to me. Like this guy see, had to seem nuts. I don't know if it would scream warning to you, but I think it's weird, especially because like you said, he was kind of bigger. Like I'm not having sex in a small place with you if you're fat. Well, because like I've tried it and I'm kind of fat and it doesn't work. No. <laughs> He could, they definitely could fit in a van. It wasn't like. I know, but how uncomfortable. Who wants to have sex in the back of a van? Well, he wanted to kill him. That's why they want to have sex in the van. Oh, I wasn't picking up on any of that. I'm like, I think it's just a kink. <laughs> no, he wanted to kill him. So he was going to kill that guy? So let me go on. You think? So Isaac was reluctant to have the sexual tryst in the van, but eventually relented. He and Bruce were getting hot and heavy in the back of a van in a parking lot. And they show the play, the parking lot where they're having sex. And it literally looks like it's like, like a Walgreens or something. It's not even that oh, far. Oh, really? It's not even that so, far So like people can walk by. Yes. And like it's broad daylight. And the reason why... But are they just showing the parking lot in broad daylight? No. Or did he say it's broad daylight when they had sex? The reason why they're showing why you know it's broad daylight is because Isaac had a dash cam. Oh, so you they showed them having sex? No, they don't show oh. them having sex. So anyways... What kind of documentary is this? That was a pretty good one. <laughs> so, 
So Bruce, Isaac is relaying the story of how he and Bruce were getting hot and heavy yeah. in the back of the van. In his words, Bruce was titillating him. <laughs> and he pinned his arm behind behind his head and began to aggressively choke the life out of him. <gasps> he estimated it was between three and four minutes that he was being choked before he was able to fr- free himself. And he says, which I thought was really weird. Did he black out by that point? He said all he could think about was his mother. As he I was, could see that. You're naked? Having yeah, but if you think you're going to die, I could see myself being like, oh my God, my mom. Like, hmm. what is I'm going to do? I need to call my mom. I need my mom. 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 I would. I guess. I would not think about Cameron. I would think my mom. <laughs> okay. You wouldn't think about me? <laughs> That's sad. So he was screaming at Bruce, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And Bruce took off. <gasps> So Isaac called the police while following through following through him uh, following him through the village. So he's on. They have they play the recording of him on the phone with the nine one one. I don't know. Is it nine one one in Canada? Yeah. The nine one one operator. <laughs> and the woman is like telling him to pull over and not. Yeah, follow they always him. say don't follow yeah. them. So it was crazy the fact that he followed them. But okay, I don't think it's crazy that he followed them. I think it's crazy that the police never followed up on that. Well, it gets even worse. So he gave a statement after, so after that he went to the police station and he gave a statement and that's it. No photos taken, no rape kit done, nothing. So he said it was a sexual assault where the man uh, physically assaulted him. He thought he was going to try and kill him and they did nothing. They took no DNA evidence, anything. Because it's a male on male crime. Exactly. That's like the worst. They don't believe them. How could a male rape another man? They evenly set, they even set up the investigative, uh, the detector, detective? I can't remember what they call him in the show. But anyways, so the guy that was part of the investigation was on there and he said, well, it's hard because it was a he said, he said. Even if it is, why would they still not collect the evidence? Right. So anyways, MacArthur... Uh, try to get ahead of it, try to make himself like look good. So he went to the police on his own and he said it was a sexual liaison. It got out of hand. Um, but, it's just some kinky stuff that right, went too far. They believed him and they no charges were even were even brought against him. It was just dropped. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Two different times they could have stopped this guy yeah. and they didn't. So a year after the attack on Isaac, so this is now turning to be 2018, I think. He was interviewed by the police in con- in connection to the disappearances of the other men. The police then began to surveil Bruce MacArthur because they really seemed to target him now. They picked up his habits, where he worked, who he crossed paths with. He was a well-liked landscaper. He had- now, I really don't care too much to get into the background of serial killers because I think sometimes we can glorify them right. and like give them a little bit of a free pass. He's got same typical story. Abusive father. Total psycho. But... That's beside the point. In the midst of the surveillance, Bruce MacArthur sells the red van. Hmm. Wonder why. Shocker. The police discovered that he had a history of totaling his cars. Like like um, selling them to a junkyard to have them junk for Oh, cars. I thought you meant like he Crashes. got into so many accidents. No. He would yeah. sell them so to junkyards to have them destroyed. Oh, my God. So, turns out, they found the car that he had sold to a junkyard. For $125. If that didn't scream. Right. Like, he like he's trying just to trying to get rid something. of it. Yeah. So they got extremely lucky that the junkyard had not done anything to the car yet. It was How completely much DNA did they intact. Find How much DNA? Tell me right now. So after the analysis was done, which took a month 
to get the results, which I, I know CSI, NCIS, like that shit is not real. Right. But this guy's a potential serial killer. Right. And it took a Russia? month. Maybe it's because that's how much was in there. I don't know, but where is Olivia Benson? Where, honestly. What the fuck is going where on north is Spencer, of... what's his name, from oh, Criminal yeah, Minds? Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. So it turns out there was blood of a few different DNA in the van, and immediately one t- uh, tested positive to be Andrew Kinsman's DNA. Okay. So um, they got him, right? They have him. They can go arrest him, but not so fast. It's not so... It doesn't... It's not, yeah, it's not so, enough. Bruce MacArthur is only named as a suspect in the death. After all, there was only a small amount of blood. They described it as the amount of a pencil head. And they said that any experienced defense attorney could have explained that... They had sex in the car. Yeah. No big deal. Came from anal, anal right, penetration. Right, that's what I mean. Like, he willingly yeah, was in nothing, there. no proof that he killed him. Yeah. So they ramped up their surveillance to try and catch him in the act. They went to his... But would he be that dumb? I, he apparently doesn't think that the police are onto him. Really? Yeah. Wow. So the police um, went after a warrant where they could search his apartment without him being there. They didn't have to show up with him being there. They could show up, go in, get the stuff, and, and get out. Apparently in Canada. I don't know international law. Me either. But they have, they have no-knock warrants in the United States. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of yeah. search warrant like that where the people don't have to be there. Right. So while they were searching his house... They had police watching MacArthur still so that they could make sure that he wasn't in the area. Well, they were cut short. They said that he was heading back to the apartment. They had to get out of there. It was described as a scene cut from a TV show. Could you imagine? I'd be so nervous about right. those police. I mean, I guess I mean, not if you're a police officer. Like, fuck off. Sure. But I'd be like, but you could be like in the like if they, if he showed up while they're yeah. there, like he could have destroyed evidence. Right. He would have immediately got rid. If he was smart, he would have immediately got, got rid, of, rid that of it. Stuff. Yeah. So it was. But they got out of there in the nick of time. But they only got about half of the data from the computer, which kind of sucked. Yeah. But it was enough to get some of the get some more evidence on him. In the data taken from the computer, there were multiple photos of Kinsman and the other men. Some nudies, but nothing malicious at first. Then they started sifting through those temporary files that no one thinks about that were either deleted or transferred to a USB. A picture of a man who appeared to be dead on MacArthur's bed was found. It was Salim Essen, the final victim of Bruce and MacArthur. They also found another photo of a dead man. It was Andrew Kinsman. Oh. They now know for a fact Bruce MacArthur was a serial killer. They continued to find photos. MacArthur had dressed up his victims after killing them. The, so weird. Oh, it's, it's sick. The pictures were all taken in MacArthur's apartment. The bodies were tied to the bed, dressed in fur coats, often putting a cigar in their mouth, Imposing them in vulgar positions. Some of the photos even contained the metal hacksaw that was used to dismember the men. So he had to have like killed them in his van, then carry them up to his apartment, and no one noticed. No, he killed like he killed them in his in their in his bed. They're all like it as we get into it at the end. They're all. Um, they, they, they could prove that two of them were murdered via strangulation. Yeah. So it seemed like they were tied up. Gotcha. He strangled them and dismembered them. Remember them. Okay. Um, 
So within the computer, each man had a folder labeled with their name containing photos of their dead, desecrated body. On top of the photos, they found multiple items belonging to the missing men, and one item noted in court proceedings was a bag of facial hair that he had shaven as a beard, shaven the beards of and kept as a trophy. In January 2018, after finding this evidence, investigators needed a little more time to get the paperwork in order. They knew they had a dangerous serial killer on the loose in the greater Toronto area, so MacArthur was put under 24-hour surveillance. During the surveillance, MacArthur picked up a man thought to be from Grinder. I should probably stop using that. <laughs> and we're heading in the direction of his apartment. Isn't that crazy? So when the police went in to arrest him, MacArthur had the man bound, handcuffed to the bed with a black hood over his head. Luckily, he was still alive. Could you imagine being that guy and being like, you were Next. potentially a, the victim of a serial killer? If he wasn't under That's what I mean. Like, yeah. what? They happened to. So in more investigation, because they, they they left the laptop there, so he continued to use it. There was a folder named John for the last guy. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Crazy. So even though they arrested him, they were determined to get some information. They wanted to know where the bodies were. They wanted to know what happened. He was interviewed for eight hours. They came up cold. They gave him no information. So one of the detectives came up with the idea that they needed to look at the properties that MacArthur landscaped. They went to the home of a family friend and client, Karen Frazier, where MacArthur stored his tools and machinery. They didn't know at the time whether or not he had any accomplices. They didn't know this the specter yeah. the specter of the whole thing. So they showed up at her house. They had five minutes to get out, and they were clueless as to what was going on because they didn't have any part in it. Right. The tur- team searched her home, garage. They brought in drugs, dog sniff, cadaver dogs. That's right, the I was thing. Say, I'm like, I, like I was trying to say drug dogs, yeah. but it was cadaver dogs. Yeah. So the dogs were drawn to these large planters in the backyard. It was wintertime, so they couldn't di- they couldn't get the dirt out, so they brought them in to be x-rayed. And the first one that they x-rayed was a he- section of a human rib cage. He was burying their body parts in customers' yep. landscaping? Could you imagine finding out there's a dead body in your backyard? Isn't that fucking sick? That's crazy. Sick. Bruce MacArthur dismembered his victims and disposed of their bodies in his client's plants. Ah, I bet those plants grew so well. (laughs) It's probably great compost. I'm just saying. Three human torsos, limbs, and even heads were found in 15 plants. Okay. Well, like, think about this. Like, what if one day you're just like, oh, I need to replant this or it's getting too big in the pot. And you go to move it and you find, like, a human hand. Right? That's fucking crazy. Or a head. I would die. I would probably Freak. think it's an animal. Uh, like bones. Like the bones. Oh, there's just bones. Right. Yeah, maybe. But still. So they're like I said, the remains were able to prove that the men had been killed via uh, manual strangulation. In the 15 planners, the remains of Andrew Kinsman, Saroosh Mahmoodi, and Skanda Navratnam were identified from those planters. After finding the remains of the three men, the police made a plea to the public that anyone who had MacArthur service their lawns call in so that they could have their property searched. Stop. The remains of four more men (gasps) were found. 
the only one that left was unfound was Majid Gayan. Now, listen, they come into my house to dig up the yard, they better be putting some fresh sod down or I'd be pissed. I'd be like, absolutely not. You're not digging up my yard. You're going to replace it? Leaving this place looking like trash? I mean, I think your homeowners would probably cover it. but Really? Yeah, why wouldn't they? Oh, I didn't think about that. Anyways. <laughs> so, so being that it was January, six months later, um, after the ground thawed <gasps> in July, um, that first home, Karen Fraser, where he stored his tools, there was a big ravine that was behind the house. So after it had thawed, they had found the body of the eighth man. It was in a dump, It was in a garbage can that was tossed into the ravine. So they found all eight men. My God. That woman. Right? Isn't it? How That's, could you live there? I, no. Like, they show it a little it's bit. It's like an animal farm. It seems like this beautiful, gorgeous property. It's massive. Like, how could you live there? And I who mean, would ever buy that again? I mean, I could probably live there. It's not like I killed them or, like, a murder happened on my property. He just disposed of the bodies. In the interview, she said that um, he used to have lunch with his team. And yeah. they used to move the planters, like around the uh, like around them during lunch like he let like so he was in her he was eating lunch with his other workers and they're the dead ones no, were like stop. around the table he would like bring them up that's yeah. fucking weird this is fucking psycho wow so in january of 2019 bruce MacArthur pled guilty to eight counts of murder However, there's 15 unsolved disappearances from the 70s to the early 90s still being investigated. He for sure did it. He for sure did it. I 100% believe it. Yeah. It's not. I would. Yeah. He was sentenced to 25 years to life with eligibility parole after 25 years. Are you effing kidding me? That's the harshest possible sentence in Canada. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm about to lose my goddamn mind. Yeah. I fucking cannot take Canada. He should never see the light of day again. I know. Because clearly well, he'll do it again if he gets out. Well, they don't have the death penalty. I'm fine with having the death penalty. And um, when he gets out, it'll be he would be 91. Oh. Okay. That's not like he, okay, it's not like he'd be able to okay, kill anyone at 91. Whatever. But I still but understand. Like, yeah. Like if he was 20 years younger. Right. And still like could get out in 25 years. Um, I mean, but it's just eligibility. I was going to say, you he, know, wouldn't he wouldn't get I don't think he would. Oh, we say that. What about, what's his name? Who? The guy who chopped the head off of the other guy in the Greyhound bus. He's out. Well, I don't. Walking the surf. Do you know, um, do you know the other famous serial killers? That came yeah. Out? Paul Bernardo and Carla yeah. Hamolka. She's out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Canada, she, get your shit together. She had her sister raped and murdered. And she's yeah, fucking that's out. That's fucking crazy. That's crazy. Okay. So. Uh, a few different themes were talked about amongst the various sources I used. They talk about the role of gender, color, and obviously sexuality that played in this case. Do you think this case would have been taken more seriously if they were women? Yes. Women of color or no. white women? White women. I agree. Um, they can. I, I honestly think it would have taken even more time if it was women of color. You're probably for them to. So Canada do doesn't have the uh, like the racial. Uh, dynamics of the United States, they don't have as many uh, black people. Yeah. It's uh, their, the major uh, significance is, is brown women. Yeah. And Ab- I don't know if they call them Aboriginals in but, Canada, yeah. but like native right. Canadians. And they like, there's a lot of native Canadian women that go missing. So mm-hmm. that's like the big, a big problem up there. Do you think they were discounted because they were gay? I think definitely. I think. Yeah. 
I think their color plays a bigger role than their sexual orientation. Because if you notice, once that white man, what was his name? The handsome white man? Andrew Kinsman. Once Andrew Kinsman went, that's when... It took off. It took off. I agree. So, I don't know if... Because I feel like people would be like, oh, it's a hate crime. It's crazy. We need to look further into it based on that. But I think because they were brown, they didn't. But I also think that if it was another neighborhood and three... Brown men went missing from the same block. Yeah, that's true. It would have been taken more right. more seriously right. too. That's true. Yeah, I think they all have different layers. Right, but I right. do think I think they all influence I, it. Yeah, 100%. without a doubt. And I also think that the type of person, not saying that they weren't influential, but the fact that they were um, undocumented or that they they were immigrants. immigrants that yeah. you know what I mean. If they were wealthy. People from a different country coming in, like you and I mean, yeah, like, and sure. had more power within their community. I think it would make a difference as well. I agree. It's crazy. All right, y'all. What do you think? Do you think Canada should have harsher sentences? Death penalty by chance? I'm not for it, but yeah, let us know what you think. Follow us on Instagram at It Just Makes Sense Podcast. You can follow me at WW Sam and the Buff, and you can follow Jeff at whatever stupid Twitter name he has now. <laughs> What is it? At Jeff C. <laughs> one F and Jeff. <laughs> and don't forget to tune in next week. Happy Pride. Bye.